So welcome to episode number 12 of Developer Milosh, the podcast about developing software in the 21st century directly from Vienna, Austria. Developer Milosh brings you regular discussions about everything software development. You can find us online on developermilosh.github.io and you can follow us on Twitter via at devmilosh, that's dev, M-E-L-A-N-G-E. We are very keen on learning what you think about this show or the podcast itself. So please reach out for us on Twitter or leave your comments on our website. We appreciate all of your feedback. And now, here are your hosts. My name is David. I'm an enthusiastic software professional working in various projects using a bunch of different stacks and environments. I don't sleep too much to open source and prefer keeping my code simple and small instead of clever and edgy. My name is Christian Haas. By day I work on safety-critical software in Java and C++, and by night I develop on open source in Go. My name is Paul Rohrzke, and I am a software developer with the heart of a tester. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's sweet. <laughs> that's really, really like cool. That's really cool, yeah. So, one thing we want to um, repeat that we changed our format a little bit. We did a retrospective a few weeks ago about the first episodes of our podcast. And there we came up with some changes. One change is that we mention our last name and it we well, say... actually we didn't. Did you say you're Paul Rohatska? I yes. did. Oh, okay. I'm David Leitner. <laughs> I said I'm David. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sorry. Okay, I that's cool. this point in the red. Yeah, it's, really? It's, it's Leitner. Brought this up? We, we talked about it. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So that's what you usually do. <laughs> And just to give a little bit more context about us as, as a host, and we also introduced the catchphrase that we want to say. And David could actually read it from his own website. How cool is that? It's latna.io, so he's all into JavaScript, as you see from the IO. <laughs> yeah, and I already don't like mine too much, but that's no problem. We, we can change it We will sometime. improve it. We're agile. Yeah, we're absolutely agile. And... Uh, another thing that we started trying with the previous episode was to go out of a meeting room that we used uh, until recently for the recordings and go into an actual um, cafe house in Vienna because we are definitely we are all about Vienna, we are all about coffee and so we're really sitting here in a nice um, nice in the sense of what you think about a nice cafe house in Vienna, so it's not... No, 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 no. No, it's not. I, I would say it's lived in. <laughs> no, but uh, I think it's really nice here. Yeah, really? I really like it and I, I like the, setting, yeah. Yeah, I like the, the improved uh, atmosphere and it's more, more relaxed to talk about. And yeah, so the first episode that we did for, for May 2019 was already as long as a regular episode has been before when we did just one per month. Because that's the second change. We wanted to have a little less of a rush when we were discussing. And so we said we will just focus on a single um, topic per episode, but to uh, have two episodes per month. Exactly. Yeah. It <laughs> didn't work out. It didn't work out, absolutely. So if we start talking, it's hard to stop us. Well, it's really hard. If, you know, topics are so different, sometimes you really, you really need the time to really discuss a topic absolutely. in detail. And I don't, you know, we don't, yeah. know, we don't always just want to scratch the, 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 the surface. Yeah. We sometimes want to go into detail a absolutely. little bit. Yeah. I also think it's, it's okay if episodes are not always 
30 minutes all the time, right? Sometimes they're even one hour, sometimes they're just 40 minutes, yeah. sometimes they're even just 30 minutes, right? It well, really depends on the topic. Absolutely. And I would say it would be a, a good opportunity to give us feedback about also this aspect of our show. So what about the length? Do you like the length, dear listener? Is it too long, too short? Should we go into more details? Should we stop talking about all this stuff? What do you think about it? Yeah. Okay, so now for the second time we have the pleasure to have a guest mm -hmm. and this guest is Sebastian. Welcome Sebastian. Thank you. Uh, yeah, why don't you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, so uh, my name is Sebastian Deschner. I work with what is called a developer advocate uh, for the company called IBM. And I'm a lot into Java side of things, so I work a lot in enterprise Java and enterprise software in general. Uh, basically everything that enterprise software would, would, um, projects would need, um, I would say. Uh, that includes a lot of things. And from my role or from my job-wise, I try to teach knowledge to developers, like educate them on, well, basically everything they need to, to solve the challenges of enterprise projects, I would say, in, in various forms. And I'm very happy that I can do that. And I'm very happy that I can like be here. I literally just just moved to Vienna, actually beginning of this year. So that's a that's a fun fact. And yeah, let's talk about like. So like what was so was moving was your plan moving to the Vienna part of being a developer advocate, or was it just actually not a side that effect? Was, that was n not even a side effect. It was mm -hmm. literally just for fun. I wanted to like live somewhere else. I, uh, originally, I'm from Germany, from Munich, and um, I like Vienna, and I wanted to you know live somewhere else live somewhere else in Europe um, and it's a super nice city, a lot of good coffee. <laughs> that was one part of it. <laughs> that's also why yeah, I like that true. format. And yeah. So and for the job you're having, it's no matter where you are located. Yes, actually it is not uh, a matter for me. So um, I work remotely when I'm not traveling and um, the rest of my team is actually all based in the US okay. and, and also just like scattered around, like everybody works like either remotely from, from home or mm -hmm. from somewhere wherever they happen to be. So actually IBM has, well, offices all around the world, like literally in every city, also in Vienna, multiple. Uh, but I'm also mostly not there. I'm just like working from home and coding uh, in my apartment. And that, that was the plan. And I'm uh, also very productive there. So that, yeah. that works for me when I'm not on the road, like traveling and doing. So, so you travel a lot, right? Things. Well, I, I try to because, uh, well, I, I also personally like it. And I try to speak on uh, many conferences or meetup um, events, mostly Java-based, like Java user groups and things like that, and, and trying to show stuff to uh, folks in person. So doing quite a few workshops, and you know, like if, whether it's visiting clients for the company or even teams, um, like IBM internal, that's actually always very much appreciated from, from the uh, folks we, uh, we visit. And of course, to developers directly, you know, like whether it's um, open source or meetups that are free for anybody to attend or on conferences and just trying to spread knowledge on mostly enterprise software. Mm -hmm. But what's your baseline? So what, what do you actually need to, in terms of deliver at the end of the month? What, 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 right. what, what does your employee in, say? In, in, the, in the role, yeah, that's, that's a very good question because it's not very much well, defined per se. So this is very much open on, well, first of all, what, what everybody um, in, in the role as a developer advocate um, mostly like, you know, experienced with or like experts with. So for example, there are some developer advocates that, you know, like travel more and speak on conferences and meetups 
or that do more like what we call digital outreach, uh, such as you know blog posts, articles online, mm -hmm. videos, and examples, code on GitHub and stuff like that. And I actually try to do a, a little bit of, of all of that, like a mixture, uh, because I just like en enjoy doing that. I enjoy recording videos as well. Um, I actually have a sort of video studio um, now at home in my office, um, so that's that's very nice. And it's, it's, it really depends what you then define as, you know, like your, your goals. So, so we, we typically say, you know, like we want to share some knowledge on some specific topics, you know, whether it's testing, whether it's continuous delivery or, you know, reactive programming, a few, a few things like that that you want to focus. And then you typically try to do things like, you know, produce a certain number of blog posts or newsletters or articles, you know, a month or videos or... Stuff and, like and that. Is, is the focus then on, on the company, so your employer, or is it rather than uh, sort of a, a hidden uh, advertisement for the employer then? Um, actually not. So the focus is certainly not on the employer, and we do not do sales as a developer advocate. So I always say we are there for developers. Do not all developers advocate CDs like you see, in your opinion? Um, that's a good question. I think they should. <laughs> yeah, okay. But um, I think the developer advocates like themselves, that, that's typically the motivation, yes. But do you, do you, for example, need to, you know, get some kind of acceptance, acceptance for a talk you give? For example, if you talk about some, you know, IBM platform technology right. and you would maybe, you would say some negative things or you would say, okay, this is not, I don't know, this is not the best solution for this mm -hmm. or that, yeah. Do you have some kind of, of um, auditing up front where you say, okay, you need to, you know, apply this talk and somebody takes a look at it. And so you mean says, uh, internally? In, in yeah, exactly. Yes. So I know that some companies do. Um, I mean, so I personally don't, uh, but it's also, you know, a, a type of, you know, trust type of yeah, thing. For sure, because for sure, for sure it is, yeah. you, you get employed when, when people have seen a lot of, you know, what you do in your talks and of course, you shouldn't. I mean, you should not say negative things about certain technologies. But in general, I always try to, and, and this is also due to my background. I was self-employed and, and being a consultant in a lot of projects, and I always try to, you know, teach what will help developers in enterprise projects. You know, regardless of you know companies or anything or technologies, I just try to help them to what makes sense. Again, you know, being there for the developer, and then on a company side, like for IBM, for example, for me this really makes sense um, because I was using a lot of what you would call IBM technology or whatever uh, upfront anyway, like Open Liberty, for example, the runtime for our job enterprise. I was using that, you know, um, b before, or um, IBM is also, um, you know, a big cloud vendor, like um, other vendors, you know, such as Google, Amazon, and so on and so forth. And then, you know, you can run showcases on, on the cloud that actually use open source software, which I think is very interesting for developers because you literally show them how technology is being used. You know, you can show them Kubernetes and Docker and how to do that with Java Enterprise. You know, and then you also, on the side note, you show you, you know, how well that runs uh, on a cloud service, for example, if you take a managed Kubernetes service okay, things I'm, like I'm, that. I'm, I'm trying to make the, the mental bridge like, like being an influencer on, on Instagram, yes. for instance. I heard that multiple times, and this is very, very good um, and elegant. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's pretty much like an influencer. Okay, so okay, it's interesting. You're indirectly making... Without being naked half the time, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So for, for, yeah, for, thank God. <laughs> for, for the for the recipients of of whatever talk you're giving or whatever uh, workshop you do, mm -hmm. they then receive the information on whatever technology you're talking about, first-hand mm -hmm. experience perhaps. Mm -hmm. For uh, the your employer's perspective, you most likely will uh, give some sort of hint on how their products are being used or mm -hmm. should be used, and on. Your own benefit is while well, you get in contact with people and help them, yes. so to speak. So, yes. as an adv advocate, I guess you will have to have to be a, a social and a approachable person. I'd say it helps. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it certainly helps. <laughs> not, not the yeah. perfect fit for an introvert. <laughs> well, so how, how many are there globally in IBM? Well, within IBM, it's it's not a lot. It's very it's a very exotic uh, role. So yeah, as you say, like globally. Um, We actually, with we, I mean, my team, for Java, there are literally four of us. Okay. I mean, considering that IBM has 400, don't quote, now I have to say that on in a recording, I think uh, 480,000 employees, but, you know, more than 400,000 employees world, uh, worldwide, um, so which is one, a lot. So one advocate for 100,000 uh, employees, Pretty right? much, yes, um, for Java, at least. Um, for uh, all the technology, like globally, on the global scope, we have like a, a bunch, around 30 uh, people. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, there are a lot of like um, developer advocates that do that on a more local scale. For example, on you know Germany or actually Germany, Austria, and Switzerland, yeah. there is um, a, a team who does it with a more of that focus. You know, that typically go more to these conferences or meetups. Uh, for us, as a global team, quote unquote. We literally do that all around the world, where we think it makes sense. You know, where we can have a huge impact on you know big conferences, for example, for Java. Or, you know, do you customers? Uh, do you, in your role, uh, learn to know other advocates or, or evangelists from other big players? Oh yes, a lot. Yeah. Actually, this is how I started by you know speaking on, on conferences. You meet a lot of people, and typically you meet a lot of other developer advocates. Yeah. And you know, I think usually you're very good friends with them. So it's it's not really a you know, competition on a company so level. I'm just, just thinking about Scott Hanselman from Microsoft, yes, maybe you know him. for example. Yeah. Not personally, but yeah. yeah. That's I a good example. 50% of the people which are at conferences these days are advocates, right? So 50% yeah. of the speakers are Yeah, and that's sometimes it's not the most appreciated conferences where it's really that high. I, I it really it depends. depends, right? So yeah. Because uh, there, there is really this, you know, like feeling within the industry that you don't want to sell products. And actually, most of the conferences would not accept talks if you say, hey, I talk about you know, this public cloud offering service and only about that, and you know, I teach you how to use our specific things and you want to, we want you to charge for it and everything. So yeah. that's, you know, you literally want to teach open source But technology. Why, do you, why does IBM, IBM pay you for doing this job? What do that's you a think? very good question. So, um, <laughs> no, no, really, and that's, that's always also internally a good, uh, a good point. Um, so first of all, like, like you say, it's, it's somewhat like an influencer. So if you know, you can point, hey, by the way, this is open source technology, you can run it, Kubernetes, for example, you can run it wherever uh, you like, but I'll show you, you know, the IBM way of running that. You know, I'll teach you about that technology anyway, but then, you know, just for you, take it, do whatever you like with it. And the second thing is also, I mean, IBM is a huge contributor for open software, uh, open source software, what actually most folks don't even know or don't realize, like the uh, impact uh, they have on like Istio, Kubernetes and, and all these things. And, and that's a similar story, right? So why should you know, invest open so in open source when you don't you know, get something back like uh, initially in re return, but I mean, 
uh, we we all uh, see what happened like with Red Hat that works out really well. Yeah, yeah. right. I think it actually has multiple factors, right? Yes. I mean, one of the big. I think, for example, I talked to a guy from Facebook a, a couple of, of, of months ago, and I asked him why why are you actually investing so much in developer features, right? I think Facebook is doing a lot actually currently in, in this area, and he said, I mean, one of the reasons is not that they, you know, for sure the software usually gets better if you put it open source and all these arguments we know, but he said one of the big big goals Zuck always had was that you know you get the best people right mm -hmm. and you just get them if you show off the yes. world that you build awesome stuff yes. right and this is one of the yes. reasons why they did it actually. and that's another huge and very good point you show other developers you know that's just an awesome company you know mm -hmm. like hey you have this person standing there and teaching us you know I don't want to say for free if you speak at a conference but you know teaching us just like that about technology how to use things how to solve problems without any strings attached right you can yeah. go home you don't have to pay them whatever it's it's just fine yeah. and especially for these big players as IBM yeah. is one that's not so so often seen before yes oh yeah so <laughs> IBM was one of the the biggest and and greatest monolith moving through the world of IT so in my perception and so I think that really helps to have a role like, mm. like you have. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. But IBM did the shift actually a couple of times, right? I read an article about IBM a couple of years ago okay. where they said, you know, that the, this one of the, 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 the small number of companies who really, who really made the shift when technology changed mm -hmm. um, okay. dramatically, right? From oh, mainframe yes. to... Oh yes, else, I mean, right? just look into the last, you know, hundreds of years. Yeah. IBM was always there and doing, you know, everything from typewriters to, you yeah, know, mainframes. Actually, that's amazing, right? Now we don't build, you know, we probably still do, I should know, um, build some hardware anymore. You know, it's like, again, totally yeah. changed, which I think is very interesting. That's yeah, cool. Um, before you said you um, you are helping the people with the, or the developers with the challenges that they are typically facing with enterprise development mm -hmm. so what are the things that people approach you with oh basically in general just how to use let's say enterprise java or, you know or java e how to do things with cloud native technologies you know does it even work together and you know how to do that and again in a very open source way so not you know asking about specific products even or just you know how to do that with Java E maybe based on open liberty or things like that. Um, that runs on, just to give an example, Docker and Kubernetes and, and all these things. So that's, that's like a typical uh, thing. And then you, know, you would produce some, some content on that. Like, let's say build up together a workshop that you can deliver at a conference and put the material, of course, publicly you know, on GitHub and point folks to that. And everybody can just like, try that out and, and hack that example, just how to get started. And then, of course, like how to do more specific things. So for, I think, almost that's four years now or something, I, I have a blog where I just like put out some, I don't want to say random stuff, but basically I started that with what I learned myself in projects, you know, like from day to day, you know, because every day you have something, oh, today I learned about this <laughs> new API or that way of so how to do, do things. You have a, do you have a tip for people who also want to do this? Because actually I also have a blog post. I blog, <laughs> actually... I have a blog post. <laughs> now I have a blog with, I think, five blog posts. But every time I want to blog something new, I end up in just totally rewriting my whole blog engine, right? And then oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. <laughs> Ask me about it. I, of course, From I also wrote a blog engine. From one static page builder to yes. another one, right? Yes. Yes. So yes. how can you be more focused? How long does it actually take you to, to deliver a blog post? 
Um, right now, not long at all because I have like it's all. Of course, I wrote an own block engine that actually runs on Java Enterprise and has like Java integration <laughs> yeah. for ASCII doctor rendering. Yeah, yeah, and, and it, there is yeah, a history yeah. for that. Why it is that way? But now, I mean, it, it totally works for me, and that's that's great. Is so, it ASCII yeah, block? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because um, I'm just here, dear listener. I am on www.sebastian-dashner.com. Yeah. Exactly. That's yep. your block. And that's, yeah, that, that's the block and that's running. So right now that's super effective. Um, I'm, I'm writing all my uh, blocks in ASCII doc actually. Yeah. And just put them into a Git repo and literally just, you know, yeah, push yeah. them out and then yeah. they are being... I, I have so all this, right? But it's not the issue. <laughs> <laughs> right. So to be more focused, what I would say, and I also actually tend to it when I, you know, want to write about a topic, then I, you know, tend to, oh, ex I want to explain the whole world, right? Yeah. yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah I talked true. about this, now I have to explain that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just like try to boil down a little, you know, just to say, okay, this is this very feature. And if somebody else has questions, you know, maybe have a follow-on blog yeah, yeah, yeah. post if you, yeah, that's a good uh, if you, if you yeah. get some feedback. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you know, you will end up writing a book on. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. That's true. That's true. And yeah, and what I would actually start with, uh, just as a suggestion or just as a, um, as some advice, start with what you learned yourself. Like if you, you know, work on anything, doesn't matter about which technology, today I learned about that. Okay, great. Like just polish it a little bit, write it up as a blog post and publish it just for yourself. You know, as if you would say, hey, for future self, today I learned that. And yeah. if you ever have that problem again, you will find it here. And no kidding, way more, many more times than I would like to admit, I Googled for a problem and I, you know, ended up on my own blog and then I was like, oh, that's right, two years ago that's I wrote about That's what people always this. say, yes? Yeah. Is it and really this true? Is, this okay. is actually true. And, and you know, <laughs> if, if you help yourself, chances are high that yeah, it will help somebody yeah, else true. as well. So that's I think that's a, that's a very good way. So would you actually go for your own blog um, again or would you go for some platform like Medium? Um, okay, that's a very good question. So I will totally not go on Medium. <laughs> really? Why not? For other reasons, yes. Well, because of the content, what they do. So uh, first it's, of all, it's, it's very clickbait, right? I have the feeling. Like yes. That. So paywall is another issue. That you cannot really produce content like for free, which I totally want. You know. Yeah, that's amazing. Do. I didn't notice that they actually so, get a so lot of money from the writers, right? Yes. So you really have to pay. I no, didn't uh, well, it depends. I think it depends on the model. Actually, I'm, I'm not, I've never produced something on Medium. I just uh, um, gave some advice to a friend who did that, and I'm not 100% sure about their model as a writer. But the thing is, uh, you put in these paywalls, and then you ask readers to pay at some point, right? If they read so and so many articles. So oh. that's the first thing because I, I just want to that. put that just you know open source as open as yeah. possible, and everybody should access it, no matter where in the world, and no matter you know no questions asked, just access it. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, is also, it's not really like your platform as in your website. You know, if you scroll down, you always have a link to other articles, you know, quote unquote related articles that, you know, would link away from your own content, which is then, you know, mm. sometimes not really related or might not be that interesting or it's like clickbait, whatever. So it's, I think, not the you know, nicest way. What I would go um, for actually, if, if I would you know, need to do it my, myself again without writing my own applications, just go for a static uh, uh, yeah. page generator that works for you. If GitHub you, and you know, all right? That's, for example, yeah. yeah, if you work on ASCII-Doc or something like that, just go for one, take a nice theme that's not too overloaded. I like minimalistic themes, you know, check out my website, it's like super empty. <laughs> So, <laughs> I've, I've, I've seen this a few weeks ago on, on Twitter as well where 
people were uh, crying out for some something that happened on one of these these uh, blogging platforms, right. and where then people said, well, if you post it there, it's not no longer your content, your it own is, content, yeah. and exactly. you should rather have your own platform, your yeah. own possibly your own your own domain and uh, specifically paid service if you can't host it on your own. Yeah. But it's really interesting, right? I, I read a lot of Medium, but I never got the message that I need to pay to, to keep on reading. I didn't notice. Um, is this, is this I, I new got a pop-up uh, multiple times. I could still click it away. I'm, I'm not 100% sure what's like the idea behind that. Uh, but I mean, only that is annoying. So that's the reason yeah. why my website is that clean. I hate any type of pop-ups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just want to see the content. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. Easy as possible. So yeah, that's, cool. there's a lot to, to say about that, but this is, this is my approach of doing things. But if you talk about your blog, I mean, you have a huge series about developer productivity, right? Yes. So actually, we would love to focus a little bit on this. What, 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 is your, what are your golden rules for getting more productive? Oh yeah, well, uh, one of the golden rules, and that's probably true, true for any job, is just try to focus on whatever you're doing. Yeah, and exactly. multitasking is a lie. At least if you do some complex work, right? Like everybody can drive a car and listen to a podcast, for example. For example, this one at the same time, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, but sure. if you're actually doing some work where you have to, you know, fully focus, where you cannot be distracted by any stupid emails or phone calls or anything like that, this really needs to, you know, be boiled down. So one tip, so whatever environment you're doing, just try to shut up all notifications that you have. So, you know, email, close Slack, you know, put your phone to, there's an awesome feature on every single phone out there that most people don't know about. It's called flight mode. Oh. It's great. It will just kill all of that and you don't have to silence, and you know, individual notifications. It's just, you know, gone. Nobody can reach you. That's good. That's a feature, I'd say, <laughs> at least if you want to focus. And, you know, close everything that it would just distract you. So that's, that's for me, that's a big one, at least for a certain amount of time. Yeah and you know try to focus on the, on the task at hand so that's that's a big one um, a few things um, another one is like automation try to use as much automation as possible there was this there was this um, uh, nice picture on, on on twitter now these days did you read this where this one, one? guy um, showed the scripts one of the devops guys created in the company oh did you uh, see this uh, i think it was a russian hacker yeah exactly no, no, that was great that's a nice <laughs> what story. was it about oh, i think so that was an there was an, an admin or an hacker, quote unquote, who literally automated every single type of his job, piece of his job. So, for example, when a customer wrote him an email that once again, you know, he screwed up the database environment or something like that, he would, you know, reset it to a certain snapshot and uh, things like that, but he automated it. So he had some automation that scanned his email for certain keywords from yeah, that specific exactly. customer and then logged into the you know production server to roll back to a certain and reply to him, yeah, now I fixed it, you know, it's all good and yeah. things like that. Well, for and example, he had a script to, uh, to, uh, to send his girlfriend a message that he's coming later to do. Yes. And he had, I don't know, 15 predefined messages random excuses I mean I've, I've, I've heard about this story that uh, one would automate uh, replies to his boss if, if they wouldn't show up in yeah time. I think that's same, same he also has this one yeah. okay. hangover SH it was yeah. called hangover SH where he if just wrote a random message where he is like after a certain time <laughs> okay. just gonna uh, give a random you know excuse message because the way I read it was just that, that, that the person was lazy and simply automated whatever was the inquiry and didn't so well, now, yeah. now you're pitching it rather more than there was still something productive done. In well, a way. I mean, yeah, laziness and genius is somehow related. At that some that point, is right? the point. You just automate everything, you know, that's cumbersome, that's repetitive, that's boring type of work. 
in order to be able to do more of the actual, you know, deep thinking type of work, mm -hmm. right? So if you roll back the database for the hundreds of times, that's not that interesting and you, know, you don't really learn something new, right? You don't acquire a new skill set. But if at the same time, you know, you can learn about, you know, something else or trying to solve a different problem because you have that automation in place, you just, you know, as I would say, use the computer in the correct way because computers are done for automation. Humans are really bad at automation, right? And humans get bored and made erroneous mistakes and everything. But computers, you know, are very good at, you know, doing stupid and simple things, but doing them very quickly and, you know, predictively. So, so that's a big one. And actually, for me, automation comes in all kind of forms, whether it's small things like, you know, keyboard shortcuts or macros. That's a perfect way of uh, automating things, right? Or shell scripts. That's yeah. a prime example. There's this, there's this quote from Bill Gates, right, where he says, um, I choose a lazy person to do a hard job because a lazy person will find an easy way to do it, right? Exactly. So that's, that's, and that's automation why I say it's is actually the, the positive way of being lazy. Yeah. So I would say there's a positive and negative side to being lazy, and that's totally automation that's a totally positive way being yeah. lazy of mm -hmm. saying you know like don't do things like uh, too much um, another one is focus on your keyboard uh, usage so you want to use a keyboard as much as possible just because you're more productive by yeah. sticking on the keyboard and well I hope yeah like you mentioned I have a whole video course and you know what all, all that comes with so that's a whole not even a, a a single podcast session but a whole series on its own <laughs> what to do with that uh, just in general I think everybody for, for would keyboards or for oh yes just for keyboards ah that's cool, cool. That's, that's so huge, what's your huge. favorite keyboard oh that's another one um, mechanical keyboards so actually yeah. right now I use capacitive switches uh -huh. I use topper switches uh -huh. which is a Japanese brand yeah, yeah I know uh, but I like the cherry um, brown switches. Brown, okay. I used the blue before. I love the blues, but my girlfriends hate them. Yes, my colleagues <laughs> hate them as well. <laughs> yeah, I used them once yeah. in an office and it lasted for like half an hour and everybody go, went berserk. Well, so, I, you yeah. know, I did a lot of coding at night and then my girlfriends... <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 So, you know, I mean, if you're already coding at night, can you please use a normal <laughs> keyboard like you? You're like, no. Check, 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 check. I managed with my keyboard to annoy in my... Uh, well, annoy at least uh, stump my colleague in a different way because I'm, I got found with the red switches which have no resistance at all and are also quiet. Yeah, but they are hard. I don't and like them. I, so. I don't like them and oh, I had okay. my, 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 a colleague of mine pairing it and just by resting uh, their fingers on the keyboard already were typing and they were, <laughs> I can't type like this. True, yeah. And so for me, great because uh, my, my first keyboard was uh, not necessarily a red type of switch but rather one that hadn't any resistance at all. Mm. Really? Something like that. So I, I got used to that. Oh, yeah. And now only recently I just stumbled upon a, a mechanical keyboard with red switches which is also low profile which oh, okay. was another so reason for that. And so a, a huge, I think, at least I, I, I say this to myself, but for me, I think a huge performance improvement was also the, the DKL keyboards, right? Where you don't have an unplug anymore. Oh, yes. Because you're much faster in moving to your yes. mouse, right? That, that's, a, that's another thing. And, and what really in general, you want to get, uh, get rid of that movement. So yeah, not anyway. using the mouse either. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So you just stick on, you know. Sometimes, like, you know. Row. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's so what's what your I'm preferred trying. operation system then when it comes to oh, not moving muscles? Absolutely. Yeah, but, but which, so, so which uh, desktop I, manager? Well, actually it doesn't... Well, desktop manager, that's a good question. Uh, distro, it doesn't really matter. I use yeah. Arch Linux. Okay. I, I, I mean, I cannot recommend that to anyone who is not really like super... Uh, I once heard <laughs> from somebody who said like, you know, Linux in general is like an um, operating system 
from computer science students for computer science students. <laughs> and actually, when I was studying, I, I got into Linux and all that. And yeah. it's, yeah. And once you have it up and running for yourself, that's perfect because you will, you know, you're. You will just set it up again in one week, right? <laughs> no, 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 they are distributions uh, there that simply bring up your system and you have some desktop in, in yeah, this yeah, way or yeah. And what I like the most is the, is the how-to articles. Because when, true, yeah. whenever I search something about Linux um, in general to find out, about, I don't know, how to set up this or do that, the, the highest hits will most likely be some sort of, of, of wiki entry of the ARC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, true. That's true. They're, they're, they're really good in that. Well, I'm actually always switching between Ubuntu and Fedora, right? Because mm. I'm always looking for the latest GNOME version, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah this is actually... I was and then I always, you know, uh, mix up the package managers oh, because yeah, one is yeah, DNF yeah. and one is upget and then I... Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I, I was using Ubuntu, oh, that's a long time ago, and I actually stopped using once they introduced GNOME. I, I did not like this, you know, the taskbar on the on the left mm -hmm. side, and it's like no, I found that ugly. Really? I, don't know. I think it's the best. It's the best to provide the best desktop manager just to use the keyboard actually, because you. I think it's really focused on just oh, using. Oh no, 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 no! I have to disagree. Okay. <laughs> so what I'm using right now is uh, it's called I am a tiling window manager. Ah, uh, you know, I know. Yep, yeah, and yeah, I'm with you on the same page yeah. here. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Okay, you so lost. You, you lost me. Okay, that's uh, what is a tiling window manager? Typically, in Windows or in any you know Windows um, managers, you have a window that is just floating around, you know, and you can use your mouse to drag and drop it somewhere, and another one will o slightly overlay that, right? So a tiling window manager is literally just a grid where you have either you know multiple grids of this is that uh, window and this is that window, or you just do it full screen. So when you when you open the first window, it's, it takes up the whole screen, and then when you open the second window, it, it, might it be, halves you know, them. But usually, you, I, you I, can I think, switch I think you work like this also in Windows, right? Because they also have these snipping features now, right? Where you well, can well say they do, yeah, they snip. They, but they, but then again, hindsight, you know, with with the with the if the desktop manager does it by default and only has it, you can. Yes. it's rather an opt-out model rather yes. than opt-in. Yeah, in exactly. Windows, you have to opt-in and say, for okay, sure, I want to tile sure. it now mm. this way and then do it all the time. Yeah, that's yes. true. With, with mm -hmm. the tiling window manager, it's the other way around. It tiles automatically and only if you wanted it, you can pop it out to have okay. a floating window. I think I would like it, yeah. And th this cool. really makes sense. And yeah. the best thing about that is you solely control it by the keyboard and yeah. by Vim-like you know, bindings, you know, um, L and, uh, what is it? L and J and, and H and K for left, right and everything. For focusing, moving around. That's mm -hmm. just great. Once you get into it, it's like amazing how quickly you can Once switch Once you get around. into it, you will never get out of it. The whim concept. Oh, yeah. It, it's true. So <laughs> I, I, literally. literally. I, I, start, um, I showed this in, in, in my team, for instance. I started to use i3 and showed it yeah, to, yeah, to my colleagues. Exactly. And know, then yeah. the, another colleague was interested. Okay, let's try this. And now they then switched over. The second one switched over, and even the <laughs> nice. third one switched over. So just you're influencing everybody. I, I, I didn't on that. say you switch over. It's nice. just, just the like one. <laughs> and another colleague simply switched on by by themselves by simply seeing it by the other people. Yeah. So yeah. It, it it has some benefits. And oh, that's totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, so there are other reasons why I use Linux. Um, so when you say setting up a system, so yeah, either it takes you one week, or in, in my case, it takes you like 15 minutes. Because um, you automated it all. Exactly, yeah. because I script everything, and you can script like everything, the whole yeah, installation, you know. It doesn't matter whether you uh, use AppGet or I use Pacman as a package manager yeah. for Arch Linux. Um, you, you set up a new system, and it's just great. And with Linux, you can literally do everything on a command line. 
So that's another big tip of mine. Try to leverage the command line usage yeah. as much as possible. And I kid you not, I don't even use a file explorer. I use the command line for everything, for moving files around, for renaming files, for opening files. Once you get used to it and have a bunch of shortcuts and a way yeah. of switching directories and everything, it's so productive. You never want to go back. Yeah, and, and here, for me, they're, they're, here I'm diverting. Mm -hmm. For instance, is, uh, the prime example for me would be the Git client. Oh, I, that's great. I, I, bar I barely know the, how to navigate with Git on the command line. Yeah. I have a UI Git client. I need a Git UI really? client. So oh, I just so needed if I do really some complex comparisons, then I like to have some kind of, you know, when I really need to see the Git, the Git tree. Well, well that's the point. You can show the Git tree in a command line. Yeah. I know that. Just, just so, so the for thing me is, I, I'm, I understand you, but for me, it's actually the other way around. Why? For me, these Git uh, GUI tools always do too much. So for example, in the IDE, when you say, you know, you want to commit something and then they auto add all the files or, you know, like try to do some multiple commands in a single action which I then don't know. So actually I got, because I always started from the command line and started to, to learn the Git concepts, and then from the command line you have to do everything yourself, right? If you say git add, you know, and then you ch change a file, for example, you have one staged version of that file and one others, and a lot of folks don't even know about that because for the, the GUI client always auto-adds, for example, right? And well, then for it, me it was like... automation? Kind of, if you <laughs> want it. So what, no. Uh, yeah, let me finish. That's a good oh, point. That's a, no, that's a very good point. The automation comes in with the commands I'm doing. So if you would type git status, you know, as in G-I-T space and so on and so forth, that would be bad. So what do you do then, of course? Automation. Because these are two words with eight letters together. Oh yeah, right? way too much to type and I have to type it all the time. What do you do? Shell aliases. Yeah. Automation. So that's a huge win if you're on the command line. Try to do all kind of shortcuts. You know, you can control K, J, whatever, to whatever you want to use. So for example, I use control, what is it, K, to just display like LS, display the current directory. And you know, then you're just way quicker. And with aliases, I, I type like GSC, for example, there are a lot of predefined aliases in a, in a nice shell. Um, you're just way quicker for the Git commands, for example. And then this really helps you because, you know, you type them quickly and you see everything that happens under the hood. If, you know, if you know about like how that Git like, uh, that, uh, like works there. So for me, actually, GUI clients are way more confusing because they, they do things that I don't expect, right? And I was using them, I'm like, oh, great, commit. And then it auto-adds everything. And I'm like, no, I didn't want to commit that. I didn't to tell you so, right? So for me, it's like, you know, the intention that's, that's on my side. I want to, you know, choose the intention and then use some automation that I know. Of course, if you know how to use a GUI client properly, not like I do, you know, that, then that makes more sense. But um, no, I totally use Git on the command line all the time. Actually, it's the opposite. I switch for the, there's also Hub client for GitHub. Mm -hmm. That has an integration, you know, with issues, with pull requests and everything. And then it's super fast on the command line. You don't have to, you know, go back to the browser to do like a pull request. You can do it from the command line, which is just awesome. Mm -hmm. I believe. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I didn't notice. You have to uh, uh, check that out. It's uh, hub, like H-U-B. Uh, cool. Like GitHub and then that's just, oh, that's, cool. that's very nice. Okay, so beside automation and then typing fast on your keyboard, what, what are what are the... Are things you should focus on to be a more productive developer, and of course, being focused. Yeah, be, being focused in general. So it's it's then a lot about you know the environment and your working mode with with colleagues and everything. How you work well together, you know, with a team, yeah. because you can get a lot of distractions by you know meetings, by you know communication, and everything. And you just have to find a mode, you know, how that works well. 
I mean, if I say that, then this, this sounds like, you know, it's easy for me to say it because I work remotely, the rest of, team is in, of my team is in the US and everything. Um, but even when I was in a project, it's, it's just a question how to, you know, communicate what your way of working is. For example, if you say, hey, you want to work on that feature, and in order to do it properly, you need at least, you know, a certain time of undisrupted time where you can focus on, you know, a certain amount of time for that, like at least half an hour or one hour, right? Where you actually can go into the zone and be in the flow without getting these super important quote-unquote emails and everything and Slack notifications. And your team should know that. And, and typically, if you if you um, address it, it it's, it's, it's okay, it's fine, right? Yeah. If you're saying, hey, I will get back to your super important email, but, you know, after 30 minutes or something. And I'm now offline for, like, 30 minutes at least, right? And then people, you know, get used to it and they don't expect you to, you know, respond um, immediately, which is actually how asynchronous communication should be used, right? Yeah, yeah, like emails true. or Slack, yeah, it's asynchronous, yeah. it's not like a phone call. Well, I think it, yeah, yeah. it, it should be, right? Yeah, yeah. I, most people expect you to immediately I think you, you should also Slack. You should also train people, right, in understanding it's, this. It's right? basically, yeah. That's because basically if I get an email and I don't write back in the next two hours and then they write me again, hey, what's up, yeah, why yeah, yeah. And I just say, hey, come on, it's an email, right? And, maybe, yeah, and you're busy. Maybe you I was sick for three do. days, right? Or I don't know, yeah. Exactly, and you have other stuff to do. And if it's, you know, your manager or your teammates, they, first of all, they should understand or they typically do understand if you explain it that way and then just find, trying to find a way. And if you have some super, super, super important things, you know, that need to be done now or in the next five minutes and not next 30, then, you know, you can build up some exception saying, hey, I, I leave my phone on whatever, you can call me. You just allow whatever calls from that specific number, and that's a, you know, emergency whatever call if it's a yeah. really important issue, which actually, usually it's not from experience. <laughs> no, really. <Yeah. laughs> but um, What I really love is, is the Eisenhower matrix. Yeah, Do you oh, yes. know this one? I yes. think it's, it's really a really, really good thing, right? Because you really focus on stuff you really need to do now, right? Yes. And then you do stuff you just don't do, and then you do have stuff which you delegate, and then you yeah. have stuff which you do maybe later. Yes. Right? Yeah, so, so this is, this uh, is such a, a matrix thing with two dimensions, and one exactly. dimension is the, the, the urgency, and the yeah. urgency yeah. is the This is really, 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 really cool, just, right? Yeah. Really to like distinguish between urgent and important. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. That's, that's the point, actually. And uh, Jamie Rainsberg also has a good rule of thumb, I think. He always says things he can do in two minutes. He just does them now, right now, right? To just get out of his head. And things which takes longer than two minutes, he just puts yep. on a list and prioritizes them at the end of the day. So it's, I think it's all about prioritization, right? That's, that's one of the most important things, right? So to, to manage your time efficiently. Yeah. Yeah. It's mainly driven by prioritization, right? Uh, very much do the same things. Yeah. You know, with, you know, like inbox zero and that approach. It's just, it's yeah. just an approach of, you know, having proper processes, how to tackle, you know, stuff. Yeah, that, that helps a lot. Yeah. It helps so much. Cool. So thank you for Very giving nice. us this introduction. Absolutely. So hopefully we'll be even more productive tomorrow. <laughs> sure. I hope so. Um, uh, yeah, let's come to the community. How is it called now? Community? What's, happen what's happening in Vienna? What's happening yeah. in Vienna? Vienna. Paul, what is happening what, in Vienna? What's happening in what Vienna? What's happening in Okay. I would like to know, yeah, because I'm, <laughs> I'm literally new. Yeah. So one thing I can uh, advertise, I have the pleasure to talk, uh, to give a, a little talk at the ATP Expertentreff. 
Oh, this this sounds strict. Sounds this strict. Sounds strict. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, ATP Experten Treffen. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What does ATP so stand for? ATP is the Austrian Testing Board. Ah, so okay, I know this one. Yeah, so yeah. that's the body in Austria from the from the. Um, so you really so from take the body that is is doing this ICQTB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it? Certificate. So uh, testing in general, not just software, but like testing. Yeah, software. I guess it's just software, yeah. but. But not from a developer or not mm -hmm. focused on a developer approach, but on a like typical classical uh -huh. testing approach. Uh, of course, open with uh, for several topics. And on June the 26th this year, 2019, uh, I am just sharing some some experiences about a project uh, that I'm currently working on, that you, David, have been working on. And the title is just in German, and but originally the talk had has been in, in English and it's Microsoft got sued and we had no tests. <laughs> That's good. I like this topic. Yeah. I like this title. Cool. So you really take it serious with your, with your punchline tester at heart. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and on, a, on another level where I can also uh, retell the story of the small code retreats that we are running every mm -hmm. second month. Yeah, so the next one will be in May 2019 on the 25th, Saturday 25th. Maybe you also explain what a code retreat actually is. Code right? retreat is the longer form of a coding dojo. What is a coding yes. dojo? <laughs> uh, one or two hours of deliberate practice on, on a small exercise where the goal is not to finish, but rather the, to simply exercise whatever you want to focus on. This could be pair programming, this could be mm -hmm. test-driven development, this mm -hmm. could be a new framework that you have, this could be practicing your shortcuts on a keyboard on, or in your Very IDE. Cool. And a code retreat then is a full day, rather so from about 9 a.m. to say 5 p.m. with breaks of course, where the, you have several short sessions, always focusing on the same, typically always focusing on the same small example. So, so how much does it cost? This one is free. Oh, I didn't know this. So That's why I asked. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, where and the perfect sales person. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> you, you already had the suspicion it should it could get sales. <laughs> so it, no, so the, the code retreat is um, so there are the different uh, I would say variants. This small variant is one where it doesn't do that much of ad advertising. Yeah. And it's more of those which who already know the format. So where there is no much, not much of hand-holding. So mm -hmm. if you know about Coding Dojo or Code Retreats, then this is the one for you. If you don't know about them and want to experience the first time, it might be possible to join as well. If you're one or two of the few ones in the, in the more um, experienced people. If you, otherwise, I would recommend to, make, to join one of the bigger Code Retreats, one of which will be the, again at the Global Day of Code Retreat, which will happen this year, I believe, in October or November this year. Yeah. Where is it hosted? Will they have a host for this um, uh, Global Day of Code Retreat yeah, this year? I, I don't think so, that we already have settled on a host. Uh, I don't think that we have any volunteers up to now. So uh, Companies which like to host this. Yeah, yeah. So, so well, I know, a, I know a guy from IBM, maybe they can do this. Yeah, that could be a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> and the company that I'm working for, so I'm working for TechTalk, we, we hosted it three years in a row and it would be of course a possibility to host it a fourth time again yeah. because we really liked it, but as it is a community uh, yeah. experience, we should give the opportunity to other companies because as well. Because we, for instance, be before, before TechTalk hosted them, we hosted them a, a few times, so yeah. it's going around in a few companies as well. 
Cool. And just for the small, small code retreat, uh, if you want, either way, for whatever type of coding dojo or a code retreat, go to softwarexkammer.org slash wien to find out the, the newest dates. So the coding dojos typically run every month, which is just two hours in the evening. And the uh, code retreats are uh, every second month on, Saturday. on Saturday, right? On I, Saturday. I like, I actually like those conferences and meetups mm. which are on Saturday because you you only have the people there yeah, which are really motivated. Just a yeah. special it's, group of attendees. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially conferences. This is really uh, nice. the good stuff. <laughs> and do they have like fixed topics approach? Like for example, what to focus on, which technologies or which approach? Sometimes, or is it very right? spontaneous. Uh, uh, no, the um, slight mixture. So the, the if there is a host. So for, for those code retreats or coding dojos that are more formalized in terms of also beginners can come, they, then the host, the, sorry, the facilitator will have some sort of, of uh, framework or, mm -hmm. or guidelines how, what to work on, how to focus, uh, what to focus on. Yeah, makes sense. In, in this small code retreats, it's more participant driven. Mm -hmm. So because we don't have a dedicated facilitator, because we don't have uh, dedicated, I don't know, Organizers, we simply say, okay, here is here is a host, and those that know will come and, okay. and focus on it. Then it comes from the people. They can say, okay, I have this new language. I would like to try this out. Who wants to join me? Let's try and focus on this one. Whereas in a in a more facilitated one, they then say, okay, in this session we will focus on, let's say, solid principles. Make this small exercise yeah, and focus on that one. Or the, or the next one is don't use a mouse. Yeah. Something like that. Very nice. Okay. Right yeah. then. So I guess this was another episode. We just should make us a short call out to the actual location we are here. So we are here at Kshamstadina. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a, a crazy cool. name. Yeah. Try to translate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, but what does it really mean, Kshamsta? I don't even notice. The, the Unterwürfige... Humble ah, servant. So the, the humble oh, yeah. servant. Yeah, the, yeah, the, exactly. the most direct exactly. translation would be humble servant. Humble. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and it, it's it's chapterdina.com, I think. It also has a, a presence in the web. Really? Yeah. It's, we're here at uh, Sixth District Stumpergasse. Yeah. It's really nice to be here. It got crowded in the last hours, and so yeah, more and more, yeah. more and more fans are coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. somehow nice. got nice. the information yeah. that we're here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's call this another episode of Developer Melange.